The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we are back, baby. New season. Greg Ducharme is here. Gregors, good to see you. It's been way too long. I'm I'm fired up to be back. I love doing this every single week, so I, I can't wait to get started. Sia Najad is here. Sia, welcome. You know what's funny about the way too long thing is I was actually thinking the same thing. And I was like, you know, Rick's going to ask me about, you know, what I'm looking at as far as recent form. And I'm just going to tell him recent form is not even a thing because it's we've been on such a long break. And meanwhile, it's been like 14 days. Like, that's how my mind works. If I don't have golf back to back to back to back like we always do, I feel like it's been an eternity. It's weird. Yeah, a lot of these guys played like two weeks ago or some yeah. of them played last week. Uh, in, in on the European tour, uh, Greg. But it is it is the first event of the new season, which means we get to roll over our one and done. It means we get introduced to a bunch of young guys or at least newcomers to the tour. Like this is. Uh, especially with football taking some people's attention. Like, I think this is a really good week to dive into the data, learn more about these golfers and put together some winning lineups. Yeah. And I, I think there's a little bit of a comparison when we get into the midst of the season. So much of it goes to what they've done recently last, even sometimes two, three weeks. Um, and even that sometimes is a guess, right? You'd like to know what they're doing in their practice sessions. This is a time when we can identify what players do, what their kind of fingerprint DNA is, get a little more feel involved. Uh, and and uh, look, I think that can help us win some, I think that can help us win some tournaments, win some contests. This is our final fall as we know it, right? Because next yes. year they're going to go back to the, uh, to the calendar year season. I imagine like something's going to happen in the fall. I'm just not sure we know what it is yet. Right, Craig? No, it, it feels like we um, have kind of somewhat of an idea, but the details aren't out yet. It, this yeah. is going to be the time when the guys from 70 to, you know, what, 200. I, I don't know how far they're going to extend it, but those players that didn't make the playoffs are going to have a chance to right. compete for their cards and raise their spots. And there'll still be some interesting golf, but the top guys won't have to play. And I imagine there will still be fantasy contests and there will still be betting opportunities. See so it's not like it's, it's just going to be different in terms of how like the PGA tour treats it. Maybe not so much about how we treat it. <laughs> and, and who knows, maybe that gives us an edge just because things are a little out of place. Uh, probably. All right. Let's 
reveal uh, my website, Troy, if we could do that, share my screen. This is my website, rickrungood.com. And this is the course key stats model. And Sia, you know, I'm looking through this. I'm clicking through it. It's Silverado Resort. It's the north course over there in, in Napa. And I don't know. There's not, a, there's not a ton that stands out. It's a short par 72 that does not have one or two stats that really stick out when you start looking at the model. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're going to see, um, I mean, it's a resort course. That was like the key term you said in there, right? So we're going to see easy scoring. It's a relatively short course, you know, par 72. Uh, this is one of those where you almost hate to say it, but it feels like everybody is kind of in play here um, because of the nature of the resort course and the fact that it's on the shorter side of things. But, you know, as we see here, like approach is going to be important, uh, tee to green, um, driving accuracy, not so much. So I think a lot of people are going to be looking at, at you know, your classic bomb and gouge players, like your classic, like camp champ, for example. Um, outside of that, you know, I, I can tell you, I'm looking at a lot of scoring stats. I'm going to be looking at like strokes gain par five, but like birdie or better opportunities, things of that nature. Um, but in terms of the main stats, I'm looking at approach uh, mainly. I'm looking off the tee a little bit and I'll take a peek around the green as well. What I what I love, Greg, is when you look at the you look at the numbers and you try to figure out what those numbers mean. Right. And when you look at the north course here at Silverado, th these guys miss fairways like like it's going out of style. Right. I mean, they're 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 narrowed fairways, but you're not seeing guys play. Uh, you know, less than driver off the tee. They're still pulling driver, which when you see that, it's like, OK, I don't think the rough's very penal. If these guys are willing to grab driver, continue to bomb it out there and not necessarily be all that worried about playing out of the rough. Right. And you're not worried about playing out of the rough. You're worried about playing out of the trees. Yeah. You don't want to be playing out of the trees because um, it is uh, at least last time I saw it, a tree line golf course. Um, but that's why you're, you know, you're looking heavy at guys who are good at approaching the green from 120 to 150 out of the rough. Um, I say that jokingly, but you know, it, it's funny. You look at all these stats in your highest correlated stats to success. And I, I'm not sure there's one of them that I would use on a, on a regular basis. I agree. <laughs> right. There, there's not one, uh, 125 to 150 out of the rough consecutive greens of regulation, yeah. 175 to 200 out of the rough bounce back total driving efficiency. I do find interesting. Uh, Cause when I, I look through, not just what the what these numbers say, but what the guys who have finished in the top 10, what some of the higher finishes over the last couple of years have looked like. Um, and one exercise I like to do is go through, look back and just think, well, what's the first thing that comes to mind with these guys and see if there's a correlation. And we've had some winners like Camp Champ, Kevin Tway, some really long hitters who have won here. Um, but a lot of the a lot more of the guys who finish in the top 10 seem to be your steadier ball strikers. Um, more of the Max Homa type. Mm. And and I, I think that seems to be a correlation where they're not necessarily the longest players, although that's not a penalty, uh, but they are pretty good iron players, pretty good drivers. And so total driving efficiency stands out to me as something where uh, guys who just, they, they put the ball in play and they allow their iron play to kind of take over. I think that's going to be something that's really important. Yeah, as far as this model goes, which is what I love, this is basically the least actionable model we might have all year because there's not a lot of uh, super great stuff to take away. But that happens. That happens sometimes. Uh, okay, 
I can't wait to do this. We're going to dive into the cheat sheet. We're going to go tier by tier. We'll talk about the new guys who played on the Corn Ferry Tour. I've got all the data and all that stuff ready to rock and roll. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back. No problem. Uh, We are in mid-season form here, knocking off the rust a little bit. The $10,000 range, Sia, for golfers. Hideki Matsuyama, 10-7. Max Homa, 10-5. Corey Connors, 10-3. Sahith Tagala, $10,000. Short, small, little group of 10K guys. How do we start breaking this down? So it's interesting. (laughs) The way I built lineups, I mean, I I built a couple lineups. Man, you, you are going to have a lot of, I hope, most people have a lot of their lineups where they're not maxing out their salary because I think this would be a tournament where you want to probably leave a little bit more money on the table. Uh, with that said, I, I don't like a lot of guys in this group. It's really the 9K group that I'm I'm truly liking here. The two guys that sort of stick out to me are Max Homa, defending champ, of course. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Max Homa is – you know, he, he showed some signs of improvement in the ball striking category at the tour championship. We know he kind of fell off prior to that. Um, the putter's been bad um, approach, not really great. But but again, I'm, I am seeing signs of life. And honestly, in this group, I think he is 
not in the 10K group, but in this group of golfers. I, I certainly think he's the class. So while I'm not going to jam him into a lot of lineups, uh, Max Homa is the guy that I think I could lean on the most in the 10K range. So hit the gal is a guy that I'm willing to play because of the volatility. Um, I got to admit, though, the ball striking has been bad. Uh, but again, he's a, he's a younger golfer. We've seen him really ascend in, dif- in different tournaments. So I'm willing to play him. Yeah, technically, Max Homa has lost strokes on approach in six consecutive events. His best uh, result during that stretch was the Tour Championship, as Sia mentioned, where he lost just seven hundredths of a stroke to the field. I guess the the thing that I, I go back and forth on in terms of Max Homa, Greg, is despite him losing strokes on approach in six straight, the finishes aren't that bad, right? T-16, Genesis, a top 25 at the Rocket Mortgage, another top 25 at the BMW Championship. And then obviously it was a staggered start, but he finished T-5 at the Tour Championship. So that tells me at least the rest of his game is in order. Yes. Um, And it's actually my favorite part about Max Holma. It's a very unique kind of makeup here where we like a guy who uh, is losing strokes uh, approaching the green regularly. Uh, and and we haven't even seen a pop since the Scottish Open. I mean, you're talking about July here. Yeah. Right? So it's been a long time since he's had some success approaching the green. But Max Holma, all in all, I, I don't think there's anything broken in his golf swing. I don't think there's anything new and unique that they're working on. He's driving the ball really well. And I look at this as a positive sign. I think there's a very good chance that you see him hit the ball a lot better with his irons this week. Uh, and, and come away with some good results. But in, in that same stretch where he lost six strokes uh, in a row approaching the green, look at what he's done with his short game. Yeah. I mean, he's had some ups and downs in the putting, as you would expect, but you're talking about, what, five out of six? Uh, five out of six gaining strokes in short game? A lot of so, them. Th- yeah. Uh, this is a really complete player now uh, who's taken a, a new stride in his career and it's lasted. It's no longer just, well, when Max Holma putts well, he contends. It's now, well, Max Holma can putt well any week. Uh, and, and he typically hits the ball really well. So this is where I look back to that fingerprint, that DNA at the start of a new season. And even though it's only been two weeks off, and I think there's a really good likelihood that we see the Max Holma ball striking that we're familiar with come to light. So he he's my guy in this range as well. No question about it. Okay. So see, you mentioned Sahith. He's uh, $10,000 flat. Is this a range? You know, if you're making, let's say you're making a hundred lineups just for, for round numbers, how many of them are you going to skip down to the nine Ks for in this tournament? 60%. Okay. 70, almost 70% probably. Got it. And is, is that just because of who are the guys in the nines are? I mean, Corey Connors is is here at 10,003. Hideki Matsuyama, who I don't know, finished sixth here last year is 10,700. This is none of this is doing it for you. Well, so I guess my question back to you is, OK, well, what if Cameron Davis was 10,100 and Sahith Tagala was 9,600? Would, would any of us blink? So we have to kind of lean on the arbitrary nature of some of these numbers. Yes, of course, Hideki, Max, and Corey have a little bit more of a pedigree than some of these other guys. But I think, you know, Rick, you say it all the time, like, these guys got to get slotted in somewhere. So I'm not even, especially with this tournament, I'm not even really, really looking in terms of this 10K tier, this 9K tier. I think all of those guys or almost everybody in the 9K and 10K tier, you can kind of mix together. If it's not Max Homa, Greg, uh, I'll put your feet to the fire here. Who Who is it out of this 10K range for you? Uh, it's Hideki. Who I, I I think Hideki has a great chance of playing some really good golf this week. I, I like what I saw out of him at the Tour Championship. Um, I, I, I really I like his game in general. I know the last month hasn't been great, but 
Um, um, you mentioned the T6 last year. There's a really good opportunity for Hideki Matsuyama to play well. And I, I think the course fits him. I think he's, the you know, the longer term you go, the more and more he becomes the class of this field. Yeah. So I'd go to Hideki. The problem is it, it eliminates the opportunity for me to play all the guys I like in the 9K range. And and I, like Sia this week, have built a couple lineups where, well, one really, where I can get kind of go down the list of my favorite guys in this whole field and they fall right into place. My top four, just they, they fall right into place. And it leaves me with, a couple of a couple of flyers later on who I got to take a chance on, but I I like where I sit at that. I, I, you can really set yourself up by starting in the nine K range with uh, with some rocks who have really high upside as well. Um, so that's the problem with Hideki and the problem with Max Homa, who I, I and I like both of them. It just it limits your ability to um, to play some of the favorites in the nine K. The final thought about the 10K range, C, and I want to figure out if you care about this. Uh, I tweeted it out earlier. Corey Connors, $10,300. That's the most expensive he's ever been. There was one other time, 2019 Puerto Rico Open. He was also 10-3, same price. Do you ever consider that? Because it it always makes me a little a little squeamish, and I and I get it, right? They've got to be slotted in somewhere. Corey Connors is clearly one of the top three players in this field. I, I get it, but I feel a little squeamish buying a guy at the top. So normally I would like that because the price seems so prohibitive that ownership is going to be down. Like that's usually how that works. I don't want to play that guy that's this expensive. He's never this expensive. Um, With that said, I don't think that's really going to be integral to this particular tournament because I'm not saying like pricing is soft, but the way people are going to construct their lineups, people might start, like Greg said, with Cameron Davis. I mean, you might start with Cameron Davis and Taylor Pendrith. That might be the way you decide to start. Either way, as you go down the 8K to the 7K range, you're going to have – you're probably – going to be able to use your money pretty liberally and therefore taking an, a, an overpriced guy if you will isn't going to be a big deal this particular week okay oh one one last thing on uh on cory connors sure well you know when you're looking at his his record you're seeing that he lost 7.96 strokes at the tour championship on the greens and that's not very attractive it's but i believe we're going to bent poa greens this week we are um, that's his best surface. It is. And that might be a, you know, that might be advantageous. I, I don't know what to do with him, Greg. I'll be honest because he, you're right. It's his best surface. There's a lot of variations of that, like hybrid strain, which if like, that's a nerdy conversation for probably a different day. I just were like, is this just going to turn into a wedge putting contest? And in a wedge putting contest, does Corey Connors come to top of mind? Or would I prefer Corey Connors at a place where his total driving and like longer iron play is much more rewarded? Yeah, probably the latter, but that doesn't mean that an event like this can't suit him well. Sure. Uh, I mean, RBC Canadian Open it was a yeah. largely a, a wedge sure. fest. And I know it's in Canada, but he had never played well in Canada before. Um, RBC Heritage, a, a wedge putting contest. He came in tied 12th there. I mean, he has the ability to handle an event like that. Not my favorite by any means, but, um, but I, I do think there's an avenue to play Corey Connors, especially if ownership is really low on him. 
Okay, fair enough. 9K range. This is where I imagine there's going to be a lot of popular golfers see us. So we've got Maverick McNeely at 99, Taylor Pendrith, 9,800, Cam Davis, 96, Davis Riley, 94. Then we round this thing out with Tom Hoagie at 93 and Emiliano Grillo at 9,200. You can make a case for basically every single one of these golfers. So I understand why this is going to be a fairly popular portion of the board. I uh, totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and again, I, I think these guys might be a little, a lot of these guys might be a little chalky, but because they have such win equity, I don't really have a huge problem with it. I'm probably going to throw a couple of these guys into almost all my lineups and then just try to get different elsewhere because it's very easy to get different, obviously. Taylor Pendrith, I mean, let's just, let's take a look at the ball striking here on rickrungood.com because it's obnoxiously good. Um, the putter has been bad, but we know it can get hot. So, um, at, you know, he was off for four months and then he comes back and, and this is what we see. We see, where do we start? I mean, okay. So when he comes back would be back July 10th. Barbasol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And look at the ball striking. I mean, he's gaining almost five, gaining almost 10, gaining almost six, uh, BMW championship over seven. Uh, again, the putter is a problem, but we see him spike with the putter several times just in that two month span that we're looking at. So uh, I like Taylor Pendrith quite a bit. I, I like Cam Davis. He's already been mentioned. I like him quite a bit as well. Elite ball striker. Other than what we saw from him at the BMW championship, he was he was really good. Uh, the other two guys I'm I'm interested in here are Davis Riley and Emiliano Grillo. Uh, Davis Riley, ball striking has fizzled, or at least it fizzled in July, um, but we know he has the potential to really, really crush it with the approach and off the tee game. And Grillo is one of those guys, Rick, that we always had on team no putt, right? And he sort of turned that around a little bit. We know classically he's a good ball striker. That eluded him, I guess, in the middle of this last season, but he started to come back from a ball striking department. And the putter, I mean, as we see here, He's gained with the putter, what, six tournaments in a row. And even when he was losing with the putter prior to that, I guess it was pretty bad. But, you know, normally this is a guy that's almost in like the Kyle Stanley range of, of bad putting. And so we didn't see that. And then all of a sudden we saw a pop. This is a classic case where Greg might say he clearly switched something up. He clearly found something. This is not a blip on the radar. This is something that looks to be a consistent trend in his department. Careful, careful with the Kyle Stanley drive-bys. Greg might, Greg might get you with, uh, with that one. Greg, five in a row, five, five wins in a row for for Emiliano Grillo on the putting surfaces. That resulted in two runner-up finishes, a T19 at the BMW Championship. Oh, by the way, he has won here in Napa before. Like we're starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah, and I, I think he started to really get back to um, what he is as a player. And added the putting in. Now, I think the ball striking still has a little bit of room to grow. Um, and when we were at the, you know, the the John Deere Classic 3M Open, we kind of saw the really good Emiliano Grillo ball striking. But I think it's a really solid floor. Uh, I think there's a really good place for Emiliano Grillo in this event. So I'm I'm right there with you guys as a whole in this range. Uh, Grillo is a great option here. He was one of those three guys in the 9K I mentioned earlier. Pendrith and Davis are the other two. Pendrith to me is just, it, I'm sure he's going to be extremely popular because he's just, yeah. I mean, it, is he grossly underpriced? No. There's also just like but, no argument against him, Greg. That's yeah. no no argument against him. And and this is the thing, like you'd see it was saying, well, the putting's a problem. Okay, well, he, he lost strokes put in at the BMW, but finished tied eighth. He lost strokes put in at the Wyndham, finished tied thirteenth. But he gained strokes at the Rocket Mortgage and should have won the tournament. Yep. So it, it's uh it's very interesting to me, and I look at what he does in general, and I can't find an argument against him. So, I mean, 
he is as solid a player as there is on this board to start your lineup with. He just hasn't done it for the length of time that Max Homa, Hideki Matsuyama have. Uh, Corey Connors has. He hasn't done it there. But if you flipped him and, and Sahi Thigala, I'd still play Pendrith. I am interested to see how the industry treats Pendrith versus Cam Davis because, see, uh, they are very, very similar, both in style of golf, kind of that bomb and gouge. Cam Davis is actually uh, much more well-rounded, and they yeah. both piling up like top 10 or excuse me, like top 15, top 20 finishes. I I'm hoping for a scenario in which everybody takes Pendrith as much as I love the guy. And Cam Davis comes in at like half or a third of the ownership. Well, I think what a lot of people are also, and you might be right. Pendrith is going to be more than Davis, but what I think a lot of people are also going to do is roster them both. Yeah. You can roster two mm-hmm. nine K guys and have, I, I I'm ballparking it, but probably 74, 7,500, 7,600 left with the rest of your lineup. You grab one low seven K guy and then you're all of a sudden you're back in the eight K range to round out your lineup. So I, I think, and, and by the way, you're going to have to kind of play the game theory here. As much as I like both of those guys. And as much as I'm pretty sure I'm going to play both of them, regardless of ownership, there is a number ownership wise where it just becomes kind of silly on a resort course in particular to play two guys that are going to be let's say 25 27 30 percent in which case i think we all have to make a decision you know do we pivot to a less sexy emiliano grillo i I mean that from a golf standpoint by the way although they're (laughs) all very handsome uh or you know whatever tom hoagie is going to be probably the, the, the odd man out here in the 9k range so as ownership comes in uh, we're going to have to make those decisions as to how much we truly like guys like Taylor Pendrith and Cam Davis, because I expect a lot of lineups to start that way. Uh, quickly, final thoughts here on uh, Davis Riley, Greg, which I think we all agree the uh, the talents there. L- love the kid. He kind of, I don't want to say limped to the finish line, but significantly slowed to the finish line of last year. Now, it was probably unrealistic for him to finished top 13 in every event that he played. But are you at all concerned that we kind of lost the good juice from Davis Riley towards the end of last season? Yes. Uh, And it's very interesting to me because he took a, he took a month off after the travelers, which was very strange to me. Yeah. Uh, And then it it was like, well, is he knocking the rust off? Is he going to come back? And now these questions come in like, is this, is this, uh, was it a hot streak for this large majority of the season or is he really this good? And, and it's hard to, it's hard to decipher that at the PGA tour level. I still think there's a lot of upside and my lean would be that that's not the case. And this guy's going to be a force for a long time on the PGA tour. So I'm, I'm very interested. I'm just not sure that this is the week for him. Um, and again, maybe it's worth the risk with with all the attention going to Pendrith and Davis, deservedly so. I mean, those two guys are just lastly on that. They're like the Cam Champ that we all hope Cam Champ would be. Correct. You have this. That is so good. That is so, yeah. that is so good. Yes. They're both like that. Uh, um, they're really long, and they have the consistency in the rest of their game. Yeah, which is so impressive. So I look, I, I love those guys and that makes it really hard for me to play Davis, but it, you know, maybe in a really big contest or something, I'd flip it up. Probably not in a cash game, but I, but uh, I might flip it up in a, in a big tournament and go Davis just to make myself uncomfortable. 
if if I may, if you do Pendrith and Davis and uh, and Riley, I'm just letting you know it, it leaves you right around seven k. So you'd have to dip into the six k range to to have that make sense, most likely. But I'm just yeah. putting it out there. Yeah, uh, I went earlier. I made one with Davis, Pendrith, Grillo, um, and then one of my favorites in the eight k range, and it it left you. You're definitely in the in the six k. Which look, I think that gives you some options, but we'll get we'll get there. Cam Champ's the guy with what three wins or four wins? Three, three. Safeway should be four. He should have won this year. Fortinet, Sanderson Farms, and then he three M. Right? Yep. Is that right? Okay. Uh, which are three pretty good trophies. Okay. The eight thousand dollar range. We have to get into that. We got to get to the sevens. We got to get to the sixes. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Okay. Picture this: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. I do have some news, gentlemen. Uh, I was texting with Jacob there because I wanted to get clarification on 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 something. Our one and done, our one and done uh, is not going to start until January. Okay. Wow. Yes. So we have we have something else cooked up for these nine events in the fall, Greg, and then our one and done where we are going to have the fans back and we are also going to bring in our auction winner. Uh, that is that is going to start in January. So you will not need to make a one and done selection. We out of curiosity, though, who, who would you like narrow it down to? Ooh, it's such a hard one to want to go. I want to go Davis. Pendrith, but I I don't know what the future is going to hold for those guys. I mean, they could be, they could end up being a, a you know, a FedEx Cup playoff yeah. kind of a play or a, a major championship kind of play. I really think they have that kind of upside. So I'd probably go down the board a little bit. I'd probably play uh, Trey Mullinax. He might be my first start. Okay, is that the guy that you were waiting for in the eight K? Yeah. All right, yeah. well, we have a lot to talk about him. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, <laughs> see, I, I think I would probably just play Emiliano Grillo. I was just going to say that. Uh, in all honesty, because I, I didn't envision a scenario where I would play Grillo later. I mean, obviously, there are courses where you, where you could play him, but given how he's putting right now and and what and, and, and the fact that the ball striking is back, I wouldn't have any problem using him and fe- not feeling bad that I used him early in the year. I think I'm with you. The eights, Brandon Steele, twice a winner this event. 8900 bucks. Denny McCarthy, Troy Merritt, Thomas Dietrich, Taylor Montgomery, Weber, Simpson, Trey Mullinax is 83. Justin Suh, fresh off victory, 82. Alex Noren, 81. Gary Woodland and Wyndham Clark, $8,000. This is the range, Greg, where we are getting a couple of new names, 
couple of old names. We're starting to bl- blur the line a little bit. Let's start with Trey Molinax. I will tell you, he had a phenomenal end to the year. I'm not as optimistic as everybody else. However, when I ran a model on rickrungood.com this morning and I punched in everything that I wanted in the right order and all the everything I needed, Trey Molinax was my number one golfer. And now I'm terrified and I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Look, this is uh, another... I mean, look, he's he, he we we don't have the amount of time. We don't have the <laughs> right. This I is I don't have the energy. It's week one. I don't have the energy for a full on Trey Molinax deep time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like a little harder to parse through to make a statement like he's a camp champ that we hoped he would be. You know, we don't know that kind of stuff yet. But what we saw over the last couple months was really steady, really consistent play. Um, and when you have the kind of distance that he has and he's got it under control, it's a automatic advantage on the very first tee. And I love taking that. I, I love taking that advantage because he, he's going to have so many more, you know, opportunities. Like C is looking at these strokes gain opportunities and on par fives and on par four. He's, he's got them as well as anybody else. And I, I love that kind of floor. I call that the floor. Uh, and then the putting has been fine. It's been it's been fine. Quite good. He's been great, Greg. So here's the last five. He wins the Barbasol. Then he gets into the Open Championship, finishes T21. Now he's brewing something towards the end of the season. T37 at the Rocket Mortgage. Gets himself into the playoffs. Finishes fifth in Memphis. Twelfth in Wilmington. An unbelievable. And, and, and lost strokes putting in both of those events. Two My- playoff events. He finishes top 15 and loses strokes on the greens. Trey Mullinax. I I completely agree. The only thing that worries me is this stretch of golf that he's on. These five events where he's gained strokes on approach is a little bit out of character for him. So he either found something or he was on a heater. And I don't know which the answer is. Yeah. I And I get that. Right. I mean, it, if this stopped after the Barbasol, he gains 8.66 strokes on approach. It's okay. Right. That was a he he played great. That's a heater. But he he kind of steadies out a little bit. Uh levels out. And when it really means something and really counts, like the like the event in Memphis where he's got to perform just to get into the BMW, he does. Uh, he's and, and so that tells me that he handles the pressure. Um, he understands what's going on and it tells me that quite frankly, that he's found something that's what pu- it pushes me towards found something. Now, maybe this is that range that Sia talks about, like that low eight K high seven K chalk that you want to avoid. And maybe in DFS, especially if I play Pendrith Davis, Grillo or some combination of those three. And now I get down to a Trey Mullinax. I may avoid him if, if that number's really high on him, that might be the real risky range. If Rick's suspicions are right <laughs> and it's a heater or he has an off week or something like that, you're, you're toast. If you're playing Pendrith Davis and you, you can't go with that much chalk, it's just too much chalk. But, I, but I, I really like what I'm seeing out of him. My, my personal suspicions are it's too good to be true, but everything that I plugged into the website came out, aces for him so now like just absolutely absolutely torn and Um, and he gives you that floor with the distance which i think is a really important aspect the rest of this 8k range see uh fascinating in its own right brendan seals won this event 
twice. Um, I've got a couple of nuggets on him, but like where where else where else do we want to go here in the eight thousands? Yeah, one thing on Trey Mullinax is well, first of all, he's never made a cut here, but but I do think Rick, if your model churned out Trey Mullinax, and if Greg's talking about him here on a Monday, we know how much Greg Ducharme uh, changes markets market. or, sh- or shifts markets. <laughs> Market mover, the real GFD. Oh, I, I mean, honestly, I think Trey Mullinax, because of his price point, is it, it, it's possible. I can't believe this, that a range with like Webb Simpson, Alex Norn, Gary Woodland, that it's very possible. Two of those guys, by the way, are, are cheaper than Trey Mullinax. It's very possible that Trey Mullinax is, is the most popular guy in the 8K range. I, I'm not calling it necessarily, but it's certainly a possibility. So, I mean, I, I think you're right. Like at a certain point, you do have to get off the chalk. But at the same time, you can make the argument, well, this guy, the way he's been playing and in this field, maybe he actually has some win equity too. It's, it's interesting and we'll have to evaluate ownership. A few guys I have my eye on, uh, Troy Merritt is one of them. Uh, good recent history. He's got good history here. I mean, he can absolutely bury you with the putter. But in terms of approach and, and all the other metrics we look at, he has been, I guess, the short game, excuse me, the around the green game, it hasn't been stellar. But uh, I like where the approach game is. I, I like what he's been doing off the tee in spite of the fact that he's not super long by any means. Troy Merritt's one guy. Taylor Montgomery and Justin Suh, I think, are really interesting. I think Justin Suh is the one, of, the one of those two that I like better. And so I'm glad you brought this up. So if you're watching us on YouTube, and Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is new, the global thing. Is that new? Right. So the the original kind of classic version of the, the cheat sheet on rickrungood.com, for recent history, it would show you the name of the tournament and it would just be the PGA Tour event. So it would have said, what was this finish at the Tour Championship and the BMW Championship mm-hmm. and, the, and the FedEx St. Jude? Well, there's a lot of golf being played all over the world and especially this week where guys are coming up from different tours. So I added this global little toggle here. So now it just shows you the last eight starts, no matter where they were, um, which is very helpful for a guy like Justin sub because his, his classic cheat sheet would have nothing here because all right. of his last eight recent events are on the corn ferry tour. So I think it's fair to say, and it's, it, it's a pretty great tool because obviously there's other ways you can look that stuff up, but to have it here just by clicking a button is pretty cool. I swear. I'm not, pro, I'm not promoing your site. You can, it's I mean, okay. I, I mean, I know I am, but that's not the intention. It's just if like we all respect the Corn Ferry Tour quite a bit. We all we all are very much aware of the fact that these guys are really, really talented. And in this field, they can absolutely make their sort of first splash on the PGA Tour, if not second or third. But what he did on the KFT Tour or the uh, at the Corn Ferry Tour recently, it's really I don't has it. Does anybody have a better record on the Corn Ferry Tour over the last eight tournaments than Justin Sub? Probably not. No, Taylor Montgomery, but um, Justin still got the win. Montgomery didn't win anywhere, but they they both just just piled up top 15s like for half the season or more. And then Justin capped it with the the win at the at the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. Yeah, both these guys have been splendid. And we've also seen Justin Suh on the PGA Tour before. So I don't think this is going to be anything new for him relative to some guys who might have a little less experience coming over uh, from the, the KFT. But I, I like Justin Suh quite a bit. I, I think he's a, he's a guy we could, we could be talking about in the top 10 on Sunday. And then again, Taylor Montgomery is another guy that's really been crushing it on the Corn Ferry Tour. So certainly has my attention. Yeah, my, my neighbor here, Greg, Taylor Montgomery, fellow Las Vegas, uh, is like, uh, I mean, look at this heater. And and it's no wins, but just look at the total of, of of strokes gained. He's basically gained gained like 10 or more strokes five times in his last night. It's almost impossible that he did not win one of these. Yeah. 
Yeah, it it's um it's an amazing performance. And I'll say something else about Taylor Montgomery. I find this to be very interesting. I believe last year he finished twenty sixth on or or uh, or twenty first, one spot out of his PGA Tour card in both the regular season oh. list and the uh, fine Corn Ferry Tour finals list. I, I believe I have that correct. If it's not, it's at least one of them. Um, so that was kind of heartbreaking. But he talked about what he improved in his game. And it's not because we don't have strokes gain data on the Corn Ferry Tour. We don't have the data to back this up. But he talked about improving his iron play and how he really he learned how to uh, hit the ball better with his iron. And it led to this kind of consistency, which reminds me of like a Will Zalatoris. Not that he went through the learning curve necessarily, but the consistency on the Corn Ferry Tour, it's something that's very hard to do. It's a, typically a tour where the guys near the top have a couple wins and a couple missed cuts, a couple high finishes. It's a, a very volatile in its nature. Um, and when I see that kind of consistency, I think of Scotty Scheffler's and Sung J.M.'s and um, and guys that ha- make this, Will Zalatoris, make this really smooth transition right to the PGA Tour. And I, I think Sia nailed them both. Taylor Montgomery and Justin Saw. I wouldn't be surprised if one or both of them became a, a superstar problem is they're priced a little high um but you know i'd much rather see these guys at 7500 and 7200 and then i'd be all over them but um but i i think the upside is there and i i could play taylor montgomery this week over a trey mullinax if he's really chalky in a heartbeat uh, what, what's funny is, is Sia alluded to this, that Justin sub played, has played on the PGA. He played this event last year and he was $6,400. And now he is, he's played no other PGA tour events since then. And now he is 8,200. So yeah, uh, yeah, a little, little, little bit of a boost there. So, it's a okay. developmental tour and these guys both developed. They did. Exactly. They did. And he, by, for the record, I mean, he snuck inside the cut when he played here last year as well. You yes. might have said that. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think I mentioned that. So two other guys here. Thomas Dietrich coming back from the BMW PGA Championship. Finished fifth last week. He's got a couple of high finishes as of late on the on the Corn Ferry Tour as well. And then uh, twice a winner, Brendan Steele. I've I've anointed him. See, uh, he is he's now officially the president of of Team No Putt. He's, he's the <laughs> oh, guy nice. because from the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which was in March, to the end of the year, which was in August. Basically six months, he gained a stroke and a half in the ball striking categories. That was second to only one man on the PGA Tour. Any guesses of who that one man might have been? Oh, Rory McIlroy? Rory McIlroy. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good at golf, Rory McIlroy. Okay, so it's Rory McIlroy, Brendan Steele in ball striking for a six-month period. The problem is that Brendan Steele um, just cannot like do anything but cough it up on the greens. It's, it's I mean, the Christmas tree, right? It's it's uh, green on one side and red on the other. Yeah, super. Can brutal. we at least say it's it's improved over the last couple of tournaments? I mean, there's we can not say exactly that a trend. Sometimes is not horrible. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be for me. Uh, I, I need like at a resort course. I need you to be you scoring on a pretty consistent basis. He's won here twice. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. It was 2018, 2017. It was back to back, right, Greg? I believe so. I think it was 17. It was definitely 18. I think it was 17 as well. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that's that's the AK range. So th- those four names, I think, are or I guess five. So Sub, Molinax, Montgomery, Dietrich, and if you're like a glutton for punishment, Brendan Steele. Anyway. The one thing, the one thing I'll say, and I don't want you to do this now because it might take some time. Again, I'm not trying to promo the site, but I guarantee you, he wasn't nearly as bad of a putter when he was like around the time he was winning this in 2018 and 2017. It just, it can't be. I'm not saying for this tournament. Obviously, he putted well at this tournament, but I mean, this Still is there, a, there's green checkered in there. All right, so here we go. He won in 27. Wait, let's go. Uh, oh no, it's 2017 year, 2018. Okay, so he lost strokes putting in. Uh, five of six leading up to that event with losses of three, four, two, and three and a half. So that's, I mean, it's pretty deplorable. Okay. <laughs> and then the two starts before he won here in calendar year 2016, he lost a combined seven strokes putting in the two starts prior. Yeah. So when I say guarantee, I meant the opposite of that. <laughs> you have to pay out whatever the guarantee was. It's like if Joe Namath lost to the Colts. <laughs> I mean, what would have happened? Right. We never would have talked about it again. <laughs> All right. $7,000 range. Uh, this is where things start to get really, really interesting. There's a lot of new names here. And a lot of these guys, Greg, I think are names that um, like we're going to want to play, especially in the fall. And as we've seen before, and I've said it a billion times, the line is blurred right between the PGA tour and the corn Ferry tour. So let's, let's start finding some value in the sevens. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that I see as big upside plays for the year as a whole. Uh, and as a result this week as well, uh, just to kind of piggyback off of what you said uh, with the corn Ferry tour specifically, I'll give you my one corn Ferry star from this year who I think could fit into the category of Taylor Montgomery and Justin. Is, is he in this range? Yes. Can I guess? Yes. yes. Uh, um, Carl, you on? Yeah. yeah. Of course. I'm stoked. It has to be right. He, I, I completely agree with you, by the way. Yeah. He's, um, I, I could be a rising superstar. I, I, just love what he did. The performances on the Corn Ferry Tour were phenomenal. It, he did have more of the missed cuts. This is more of the traditional look of a, a Corn Ferry Tour resume and record, a successful one. But, you know, it's a tied fifth, missed cut, tied 14th, tied fifth, you know, a second, missed cut, missed cut. You, you kind of get that kind of flow, which is fine. It works on the Corn Ferry Tour. It's usually a sign of aggressive play. Uh, and when he gets out onto the PGA tour, we'll see how that works. But I, I think he gives you the upside. It gives you the ceiling. The problem with him in this range for me is there are some guys who have had a little more experience who I think are budding stars. And instead of being in that rookie class, they're kind of in the year two class, year three class where they're developing as PGA tour players. And I tend to lean to those guys a little bit more. It would be names like uh, Callum Taron, Nick Hardy, um, Svensson, Taylor and Moore. Taylor Moore is the other one that I wrote down. So those, what is that? One, uh, one, two, three. Yeah. The, you know, those three guys, I really like Michael Glickick as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they're showing some real success. I think my number one guy in this range is, Probably Callum Taron. Uh, yeah, he. So, so what I like about him is he can find the first page of the leaderboard. Yeah, right? which there, there are. There's this weird thing, Greg, in the sevens where some guys 
finish T32 every single week. And some guys go T8, miscut, T6, T9, miscut, miscut. Callum Terran's the upside guy. And, yes. and I, I like that a lot. And it's, it, it's consistent ball striking. You get the occasional week. Like the Wyndham Championship, he hit it terribly. That saved himself miraculously with the putter. We we don't want to rely on that week. It, it's a sign of somebody who knows how to play the game of golf and knows how to get the ball in the hole. Um, but the things that I really look at is, um, if, you know, four of his last six gaining off the tee. Um, a, a much longer stretch where he's gaining approaching the green. And you're talking about six, five, three strokes yeah. uh, approaching the green week in and week out. Uh, and and that's that's really nice. And then he has the ability to gain seven strokes on the green and he can lose seven strokes on the green. <laughs> yeah. He, he did, did that back to back weeks. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a, that's an extreme example, but for the most part in over the last couple, of weeks, you don't see those kind of losses on the putting green for him. I, I don't think he's a, a team, no putt kind of guy. And yeah. as he gets more experience, I think he could be a fairly consistent putter. Like what we've seen with Max Homa this year. It wouldn't surprise me at all. So I'm, I'm weighing in on Callum Taron, and and I wouldn't even as this fall progresses, even if this week is a miss, I I'd go back. I mean, you could play him every event this fall, if you see similar results approaching the green and off the tee, and you just keep on going back to him, and he can win you contests. So I I prefer the upside guys in this range rather than the T32 guys. Yeah, let me point out a couple of items here before I kick it over to you, Sia. So you'll remember Michael Gligic finished his year uh, fifth place at the Corn Ferry, fourth place at the the Nationwide Children's Hospital, the Corn Ferry Tour event. You'll notice that Nick Hardy, who is back from, he had that like wrist injury that kind of cost him some time, but played well down the stretch, 12th, 28th, and 15th in his last three Um I think those were the two things I wanted to point out. But Sia, this is a, a large range with a lot of options. Some names are much more familiar than others. Yeah, it's a great segue because Nick Hardy was one of my guys. And the one thing I did want to point out is that the ball striking was great for him. And then it sputtered. And, and Rick, it might have been because of that wrist injury. I can't remember the timing of it. But he looks to have regained his form with those three top 30 Corn Ferry Tour finishes. So something to be said for that. Because remember, we were just talking about Nick Hardy a couple months ago in terms of his upside. And, and I think in a in an arena like this with this mix of golfers he has the same upside we thought he had a couple months ago yeah i think he actually played through it but i read quotes that it's it's feeling better which is which is good because he basically had to play every single week and he he ended up doing so but yeah i'm i'm of the impression and the results would kind of indicate that he is he is probably healthy at this point exactly so nick hardy is definitely one of my guys uh yuan is definitely one of my guys maybe three other guys i'll give out here um Mark Hubbard, I think, will be relatively low owned because he's missed two out of the last three cuts. But if you look at him a little bit more long term, like 36 rounds or so, the approach game has been stellar. We see that here up on the screen. I mean, he went through a stretch where the approach game was really truly amazing the putter is what he sort of lost over the last few tournaments but we see right before that we see a, an event that wasn't me- measured the barracuda where he finished fourth and then we saw gaining five gaining three gaining three and a half gaining three again with the putter so i don't think he's a bad putter i just think he went he's going through a bad putting stretch he also has two top 16 finishes at this event in the last three years there you, there go. you go so Do you, uh, just a, this is more of a general question than a mark hubbard question but when you look at a 
He gains 3.24 strokes putting at the Travelers and finishes and gains approaching the green and finishes tied 46. Do you worry? Do you worry about that at all? Like he's got to have these great weeks in key areas, and and sometimes it's not enough. Where conversely, an unfair comparison, uh, a Max Homa or a Taylor Pendrith can lose strokes putting or approach the green five out of six weeks and have three top fives in there or, you know, three top 15. Do you worry about, does that limit the upside at all? Well, you get what you pay for. So he's 7,300. I'm willing to roster him with a top 20 finish, knowing that he's probably not going to finish top 10 or five. But I mean, honestly, this field relative to the Barracuda where he finished fourth, uh, the the Barbasol where he finished third, this field's better, I'm I'm assuming, but still a top 13 at the John Deere, which I don't recall being a super loaded field. But I think he has top 20 potential. And at 7,300, and knowing that he can spike both with the ball striking and the putter, um, that's just like the type of mix I'm looking for. And, and by the way, speaking of where he's finished, did you say two top 16s in, in the last um, three years? I mean, this is a guy much like Chez Reeve, by the way, another guy I'm going to mention. These are shorter hitters that really succeed here. So I think we need to keep that type of golfer in mind. I know it, we, we like to think of like the bomb and gouge, not we as in us three, but a lot of people are going to um, – have that mold of golfer, but these shorter hitters have been very successful here. Uh, Greg, you're an, you're a golf nerd like I am. When you see Mark Hubbard lose four point seven six strokes off the tee at the Travelers Championship, what do you what do you think happened there? Well, you see, I mentioned he's not a very long hitter, and so I think he hit it into some penalty areas. Yeah, uh, a lot probably, of, just a lot of water there. <laughs> that right? uh, yeah, that he be. drives it in the water at thirteen, fifteen, uh, maybe fifteen. Yeah. yeah, I'm loading it right now to maybe to 17. That's, that's my assumption is when I see something like that on a golf course with a lot of water, uh, he probably found a couple of, <laughs> of, yeah. of hazards, there. which is which isn't going to be an issue here. Right. So I'll, you're, you're probably not going to see that uh, deep red in the approach to, or in the off the tee column this week, which is a good sign. Uh, so, hey, Rick, two other guys I, I like. Let me just mention them real quick. Patrick Rogers is a guy I've been on lately. Um, good history here. I, I like the volatility. Uh, he's really picked up the game on approach. We, we, we used to see him as just an off the tee guy, but the approach game has been good and we know he can get hot with the putter. Uh, and I'll say Lee Hodges is the other guy. Uh, putter has been good mm. and he can really get red hot on approach. He's hit or miss, but I think he has some upside. He's another one of those, you know, sophomore specials this week, which I, mm. I think could be a really good place. Yeah. Mm. Anyone else? Oh, okay, Greg. Okay. Speaking of the sophomores or the guys that did not develop as quickly as Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland, which is not, which is shame not, on them. Yeah. Shame on them. It, it appears that Austin, Austin Eckert is, is figuring his, his game out, right? Really kind of the first year did not go very well. Had a couple of runner up finishes over his last seven starts. He gained more often than not on the corn ferry. We know it's that Oklahoma state pipeline. Like I would not be at all surprised to see Austin Eckert have a great year. No, I, I agree. Um, I don't feel as strongly about him as uh, Taylor Montgomery or Justin saw, but again, to, you know, to see his point, you get what you pay for and it, it could very easily go in a great direction for him too. So yeah, he, he could be worth another fly as well. Mark Hubbard on Sunday alone, uh, at 13, he hit his first shot in the water at the travelers. Then, <laughs> dropped a hit in the water again. I guess that would not necessarily hurt his off the tee numbers. Let's see what else we have here. Uh, 
Okay, twice tw- twice throughout the week he teed off and hit in the water on 13. So at least at least two strokes two strokes uh penalty strokes there. I'd have to click through each one, but yeah. Uh, yeah they add up quickly there in, it, in yeah, the very <laughs> especially at his distance. Correct. Yeah, he's not long enough to carry to carry the hazards. Right. Or gain or gain, you know, significant Correct. strokes on one tee shot. Correct. 6k range. Um I will not name them all. We'll see who's the min price this week. Will Gordon is back in the field. Jim Herman. I yeah, see, I, I see you, Kyle Stanley. Kyle Stanley, yeah. John uh, Augustine. I think didn't he come in tied second six, here or something? Sixth last year. Sixth. There you go. Jim Herman is the guy that if you have blindly bet one hundred dollars on a golfer for the last like two or three years, you're up like $87,000 on Jim Herman because <laughs> he won it like 300 to one. And then I don't know, 250 to one or something outrageous. Oh boy. This is, uh, actually there, there's actually some, not, not some bad options down here. Uh, I, I can't wait any longer. Greg, Michael Kim's playing great again. Yeah. yeah. I can't play him. Why? Why? He's look at what he's done. Look at what he's done. He has gained strokes in 15 straight events. He's got a ton of top tens and fifteens on the corn ferry. His last PGA tour event, he finished seventh at the Barbasol. Why can you not play this guy? Because I've been watching him for you know the missed cut streak for oh. two years. Oh, you mean you you mean this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I this mean uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just uh look, I, I think there's an area on the Cord Ferry Tour where it's developmental. Um, I also think there are, are players who don't quite have the game or the you know mental approach, or they're they're missing something when they get to the PGA Tour. Now, Michael Kim has set a scoring record on the PGA Tour before, but just once. Yes, he has. Um, so I have a I have a lot of work. I, I know that he can do it, but is there? You know, is this a guy who, if he played the Corn Ferry Tour, if he went back and forth for, te- you know, 10 years, leading money winner all time on the Corn Ferry Tour? Because he plays great there. It's just there's something missing when he gets to the PGA Tour. And I, I don't know that to be the case. It's just a feeling I have. Where when you look to a Taylor Montgomery, a Justin Suh, they haven't had that chance yet. And you feel like they're budding stars. And I wonder if Michael Kim is in this in-between land where he just he doesn't quite have it on the PGA Tour and is a really good golfer. And he can compete on the Corn Ferry Tour. Can he compete on the PGA Tour on a consistent basis? I I don't know. So I, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to go there. How dare you? Michael Kim has the most phenomenal. If you have time, go to rickrungood.com and look at Michael Kim's golfer profile. He missed every cut. Uh, every cut of 2019, every yeah, single it was, un- it was unbelievable. The ones that he made the cut were no cut events, the tournament of champions and the CJ cup. And he finished last in both of those. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying that to, to say what a great comeback. Like, I'm so happy for him that he's playing. Well. I know I, I'm happy too. And I, I hope it works. I hope he proves me wrong. It's an unbelievable. I, yeah. I just can't get there, but that's me. Maybe uh, you'll win all the money because of Michael Kim. I would love to see that. Could you imagine? That would be amazing. Uh, all right, see ya. Let's open this up to everybody in the 6K range. What, what, what do you got here? 
Well, I mean, I'm 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 still looking at Will Gordon. I mean, he's he must have been crushing it on the Corn Ferry Tour because I haven't heard his name yeah. in a really long time. And we see here, uh, what two top five finishes, a first place finish, yeah, and then a couple you know medium finishes here. I I don't know. I I don't know that that's a guy I'm going to get to, but I certainly remember him playing at a discount price uh, a couple of years ago on the tour. I mean, these are. These are impressive finishes. I mean, the Michael Kim story is better, but this is trending towards that direction. Yeah, he went fifth, fifth win, and then uh, 46th and 26th in his last five starts there just from August and into uh, the first week of September for the the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. Greg, um, where else would you like to go in the sixes here? Oh, I think um, I think Hayden Buckley is a is a really good play. He's a little higher. I think he's sixty eight. Yeah, he's sixty eight hundred. I really like his upside. Um, he's another one of these standout sophomores. I think you're going to see a lot of this year on the PGA Tour. I know he lost strokes approaching the green in his last two, um, but it's been a long stretch of success off the tee. Uh, and and his approach play was really good before the Wyndham and the FedEx St. Jude Championship. And and I think he figured something out with the putting as well. You see one blip there at the at the uh, the Barbasol. He lost eight strokes putting. I'm not sure what happened there, but he made a change before the U.S. Open. He put a different grip on his putter. Uh, started holding it differently. And it really worked with the exception of one week. So I, I, I think Hayden Buckley is mispriced. Uh, and I, I'm really, I think he has the most upside of anybody in the 6K range, which is saying something. But I, I think he has win equity. A couple of notables I'm excited about uh, for kind of for the season. We'll, we'll see. Harry Hall is a highly volatile, uh, but high upside golfer. Uh, there is also Sam Stevens, who played very, very consistent, just piles up top 20 finishes. I, I think he's a great player. And Benny On's back, boys. Yeah. How about that? Benny On, 6,500 bucks. Anybody else that we should talk about before we move yeah, on? I, I got uh, two other guys. I, I'm curious about Ryan Moore. I, I was just going to say him, by the way. Okay. I, I like that call. I this is uh, this will not help you in any way, but I just saw Ryan Moore five days ago. Uh, he looks fit, the fittest I've ever seen him. He was at See? he was at TPC Las Vegas. It was a, a billion degrees outside. He was grinding on the range, and he looked fit. Yeah, I um, I love his game in general. He like he doesn't play a lot. He's a unique, a very unique case. He's played well here in the past. I think you got to look at the Safeway. You got to look at the Safeway Open in your site, or yeah, you can go to the course this too. Is Sil- yeah, this is Silverado. So 16, 16 rounds on the North Course. He's got uh, yeah, T ten, T seventeen, T two, a stroke and a half basically, which is the third best of anybody with at least ten rounds. Yes. Now he is not long. He is accurate and he's kind of well, like a level. He's been like a level player o- over this past year and the putter hasn't cooperated. And I'm waiting to see if he has a, you know, if he hits it well one week and you know, I mean, listen to me, if he hits it, if he hits it well enough this week and, and gets it going with the putter, maybe some of those good memories can come back. So yeah, if he, if Ryan Moore plays well, he'll play well this week. <laughs> but I like, I, I like, I like what I'm seeing. It's the second shot. Well, then hits his third shot. Well, hits his fourth shot. Well, he'll be. In yeah. Yeah. That's all he's got to do. And then he has to do that for 72 holes. <laughs> right. 
And I think he can. But he, he's a veteran that might stand out in this group of, you know, r- rookies. It's like the 6K is the rookie class. And then you got Ryan Moore in there. Maybe he shows him what the PGA Tour is all about. Let me let me point out a few a few names before we we close this out, and I'll just say their names. I'm surprised CT Pan is in the 6K range for the record. So I think at 6900 with a sixth place finish here last year, I think he makes some sense. A couple of guys that have similar uh, volatility: Grayson Sig, Scott Piercy, and then I got a couple of guys that I think are even on the safer side, maybe, and they do have some good history here. James Hahn and Michael Thompson, I think, are interesting. Uh, decent history here for the both of them, and James Hahn in particular has impressed me over the last few months. Oh, I refuse to play James Hahn. <clears throat> Maybe you could add in a Max McGreevy. Let's see what a Max- really hot run. Yeah, he had a really hot run at the end of the year. Um, getting into, he got into the play. I guess not. Oh, he got into the playoffs. He had that T5 got, team in yeah. the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. That's what it was. Not a hot run, a hot week. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you stay away from that. He's the second best, best Max in the field. Yeah, we're just saying, <laughs> saying something. Uh, James Hahn has cost me too much money. I just, no, I can't do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> do we have narrative lineups yet? We do. We have a few narrative lineups that came in. Uh, the Marksman submitted his, and we got one from Eric and the Oracle. Okay. So, Eric comes in and lets us know we are playing in wine country. That is correct. So, he is thinking. <laughs> Alcohol. I'm with you, Eric. I think about that a lot. Uh, Jason Chardonnay. Woo! All right. We should should have... uh, Hold on. Let me... I guess I can get to these. But we could have, like, branded wines. First cut branded wines, and they all have golfer names. We'll have to set Jacob up on that. Steven Jägermeister. That's a layup. Kelly Craft Beer. Matt Hoochar. Ooh. I don't get that. Hooch is like a is a term for alcohol. I think okay. that's over. My yeah. yeah, that's like uh, prohibition days, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you know, West Virginia, Tennessee, back country roads, like m- moonshine. moonshine. Was, yeah, Hooch. I wasn't around then. Uh, Luke Wine List. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And Sean O'Hare of the Dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good, Eric. Yeah, I like that. Wow. Okay. These are creative. Oracle is next. And I believe he is also Sia. These also look like wine. That that was the layup this week, right? The, the wine related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The chalk play. <laughs> Taylor, <laughs> Taylor Moore Pinot, please. Which I'm sorry, Oracle, but that Taylor, it could be in Taylor Moore anything, right? You could use Taylor Moore pizza, please. Taylor yeah. Moore insurance, please. When we get to the uh-huh. rock. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, he's a good guy to keep in mind. You might, <laughs> you might have wanted to put that one last and not first. I think it's the general sentiment there. Taylor Moore is versatile. <laughs> Bren Don Perion Todd not made up for it. Yeah, we're, we're back on track here, Oracle. <laughs> Cameron, I don't even know how to say this right. Champagne, champagne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is just as bad. You should see my dad's wine cellar, McNeely. (laughs) Oh, I like that. I I just like, I like it. (laughs) This one's pretty good. Ryan, fill my Merlot glass to the brem. Ryan Brem. Pretty Mm -hmm. good. And then Luke, would you like to see our wine list? Okay. John Markowski. What? Okay. So obviously the goat John Markowski has pivoted 
Sia, and he has yeah. not gone with wine-related items. He's gone with NFL Week One. Uh, yes. How was how was your how was everybody's Week One? It's just uh, Week One. Oh, so bad for Greg. Um, all my redraft leagues, I, I, I'm doing pretty well. Um, my DFS, you know, I flew in from Vegas, Rick, in on the red eye, and then I had to, I had to um, jump on a show, and that's my excuse for having some bad DFS lineups. But I did okay in both. John Markowski says Week One NFL DFS equals disaster. So, <laughs> okay, Alex, I'm ignoring the Millie Maker forever. Brendan, I played no steel curtain defense. Chesson, I hadly had any Michael Pittman. Uh, <laughs> lower Justin Jefferson shares. That worked well. <laughs> That's sar- sarcasm. Carl missed out on Sekuyuan Se- Barkley. <laughs> wow. Austin played too much. Dalvin Cook. Austin Cook is in this field as well. All right. Can I can I just throw out I also like Chesson Hadley for the actual tournament. I'm glad this uh, narrative lineup reminded me. Big Chesson guy. We're, we're past I'm comfortable actual, with that. We're past actual analysis at this point. So yeah. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Anything we missed? Silverado, Fortnite, a Corn Fairy tour player, uh, narrative lineup. Any thoughts about your football team of choice? Anything? Oh well, my football team of choice. Just you're looks the same every week. One, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're not going to beat the Ravens, so you're right where no. you be. No, and they have Joe Flacco in. I, I get that. We got. How did you play Joe see. Flacco? Uh, because um, Zach Wilson is injured. There's nobody else besides Joe Flacco. Who's no, the other? This is the this is the Jets. You, we can't get a starting quarterback. You think we're going to have have like a luxurious backup? Is it the Mike is, still on that team? It's it's Mike White, who's like basically discount Joe and younger Joe Flacco. Mike White threw for like a hundred touchdowns one game. Yeah, and like twenty three picks the next game. <laughs> yeah, who cares? High ceiling, high floor. Flacco's yeah. ceiling is one point one touchdown. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It's yeah, a fair it's point. Fair. This I is the thing. Did you punt week one? We punt. <laughs> I have an announcement. The Washington Commanders are in first place in the NFC East, tied, but first place nonetheless. This might be the last week I can say that. Uh, with my Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. Who blew the cover but won the game, which yeah, is they did. they did blow the cover. You know they, they don't ca- they don't care about your cover, Rick. Good teams they should. Great teams cover. That's that's the uh, that's the phrase. <laughs> all right, gents. Been an absolute pleasure. Good to be back. Producer Troy doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad is available on Twitter at Sia Najad. We'll be back on Tuesday for a mega preview pod, by the way, and then round by round recaps. We're right back at it. Greg Ducharme find him at the real gfd and you can find me at rick run good this has been the first cut we'll catch you next time 